0: Hey, this is Lucas Granger. I am the lead pastor here at Coastal Church, and I just want to take a minute and say thank you for tuning in to today's service here at Coastal. It is such a joy to know that we are not just ministering to people right here in our hometown, but literally people throughout the entire world. So if you would, take a minute and ask that you would just think about partnering with us prayerfully and financially. You can get more info at our website at mycoastalchurch.com or simply just download the app. Uh, More connection points, how to get connected, uh, tons of free resources. So listen, sit back, hope you enjoy today's message. As always, grace and peace. Praise the Lord. So uh, I titled my message this morning, uh, Run to Get the Prize. Anybody in here ready to run this morning? Everybody ready to run? All right. I'll try to get you involved a little bit because that's what this message is about. It's about getting involved. It's about uh, Paul was trying to talk to us about, uh, give us instructions about uh, aiming high for the prize that uh, God has set before us. And uh, even though we may be saved and Christians, we fight a battle every day. A battle that a lot of times we don't even know that's really going on. And it's continually going on day by day and every day. So, if you will, turn your Bibles this morning to... Uh, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And so I hope this helps us today. And so thank God for the reading of His Word. But I want to begin in uh, chapter 9 and uh, verse 24. It says uh Paul says... Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? Only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are uh, disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So run with a purpose in every step. He said, I am not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I feel that after preaching to others, I myself be disqualified. So we were talking about, he will say, run to get the goal. Now there's, we think about run, most of the time we think about uh, physical running, right? And you guys can tell, I'm not up here going to tell you about physical running. I have gained 10 pounds this year, and, uh, but I blame it all on COVID. Okay, 10 pounds and I have got to do some physical training to lose this extra 10 pounds and probably plus another 10 pounds to go along with that. But so the running we're talking about today is we're talking about spiritual running. Amen? And so this is what he's instructing us about, but I like the way he kind of puts the two together so that we can understand what he's talking about. So we know about physical running and now he says, if you're going to run, we need to run to get the prize. There's a big difference between running And there's a big difference between walking. Amen? It takes a lot more effort to run than it does to walk. And so if we'll think about that as we continue in the verses. So it takes effort on our part when we want to be victorious. Amen? There's one thing about being saved and being a Christian. um, But God has given us a plan. And he saved us. And though that he saved us. And if you're not saved, we're praying that today you're going to get saved. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But so, in that, I got to have some this water. So, being saved, like I said, we have a battle we face every day. And we have to win this battle. We're going to win this battle. So, we're going to run, and we're going to run straight for the goal. So, we have to it, it, discipline our bodies. And when you're an athlete, they have to discipline themselves. Amen. They go through physical training daily, or how much they do, but they do it to get stronger. So in a Christian walk, we have to train our physical and our spiritual bodies so that we get stronger. Because there's going to come a day, if you haven't been facing the battle already, you will have a day to face the battle. And how are you going to stand when the battle comes? Amen? How are you going to stand? How are you going to fight your battle? I love that song that we sing. uh, um, Brother Allen, I tell you, uh, this is how I fight my battles. Man, if that song don't get you going, nothing will. Because... When we wake up in the morning, we need to be ready every day of our lives that there's going to be a battle to face in the spiritual realm. Praise the Lord. So that's what we want to talk to you about today. I also want to read in um, Galatians uh, chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse 7. So we're talking about training our spiritual selves, and we're going to talk about What's going to help us out? See, I know I need help. I need help every day. And it's hard to uh, fight the battle. You cannot fight it without Christ in your life. It's hard enough that when you have Christ in your life, because of things we have to go through, but we will be victorious. So in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. So look what it says. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So you always plant a garden. And this year we planted some beans and we planted watermelons and we planted a lot of things. But now if I planted a bean and a watermelon came up, I'd be in trouble, wouldn't I? I mean, if I planted a watermelon and a bean come up, I'd rather have one big watermelon than one bean, wouldn't you? So if you think about what you plant, and it's very true what he's talking about here. Everything you plant, even in the Spirit, you're going to harvest it. So look in verse, uh, verse 8. He said, Those who live only to satisfy, satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life. From the Spirit. Now that's what I'm looking forward to. Everlasting life. Have you really ever took the time and just meditate upon what everlasting life means? I mean, so you may be starting in your life already, but this is only a drop in the bucket, uh, you know, pertaining to what everlasting life is going to be. I'm talking about a life, there, there's no end to it. And you go on and you go on and you go, go on, but we're going to have everlasting life. When you serve Jesus Christ as your Savior... And when you breathe your last breath on this earth, man, it's only the beginning. He's got so much prepared for his people that that far outweighs everything. It outweighs more than anything that this life can offer. What he has in store for us is worth getting up and running straight for the gold every day. It's worth no matter what you have to do, no matter what you go through... And, and the things that you have to face, whatever you have to do, do it for the Lord. And serve the Lord. And watch what, he, what he's got in store every day. So we're we'll going to look at the next verse here. So we're looking in verse 9. So we were just talking about everlasting life from the Spirit. Verse 9 says, so let's get rid, I mean get, get tired of doing... i got to go backwards. Got it all messed up. Let's try it again. I think I'm reading it backwards. All right, nine. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you will reap a harvest of a blessing if you don't give up. So he's saying, do what is good. And it's not always easy to always do what's good. Might as well be honest. It's easy to do what's bad. It's easy to do what's wrong, but it's it's not always easy to do what's good. And so... If we will do what's good, I tell you, it will bless others, but it will also bless you. See, when you do good to others, you are blessing them, but what we don't realize sometimes, even though you're blessing them, it's really doing good to you because we're talking about the eternal prize here, amen? We're talking about the eternal picture. But God's wanting us to be good to each other. And we live in a time in the land right now, and uh, we're all so busy you know it is a busy time, men. We're busy, and and uh, the days of sitting on the porch now, going over to see your neighbor, or just sitting on the porch relaxing, and it's almost gone. Those good quality days where you could go by and you could sit and sit around and uh, just enjoy one another—they're about gone. So now what we do is we sit on the porch if we do, and we text one another. How you doing? Doing good. How you doing? But things are changing, and like I said, but be good and do good to one another. That's what, uh, if we can do that, he says, do not become weary in doing good. See, you know what messes things up? If you do good for somebody, uh, just basically say you really did something good for somebody, and you did it, and they didn't appreciate it. What's the first thing we say? I'm not doing that again. Amen? Amen? Should have been at least two amens on that one. (laughs) I'm never doing that again. Or they didn't appreciate it. You know, like I went out of my way to do something good for this person or whatever. And they didn't even appreciate it. Well, I'm not doing that anymore. Or maybe you give something to someone or whatever. And it could be whatever, a gift or money or whatever. And you see that maybe they bought something which you didn't agree with. they bought. You know what? First thing, that was my money. But let me tell you, when you do good, God's going to reward you for it. Regardless of what they've done, it's like needed. I, was, I remember a time I tell a story of my daughter one time. We were in Florida, and, and I was up at the, going up to the hospital to have a surgery or whatever. And uh, my daughter was about, I think she was probably about eight. She's here with me this morning. I want to put her on a spot, but she's back with the baby. Uh, I think she was about eight years old. And um, I'd always taught her, tried to t- teach her the good and, and the right way, right? It's what we do to our kids. And so I told her about good being good to people and doing good and helping others her whole life up to eight or nine, however old she was. And um, anyway, so I had a surgery the next morning. so I'd been to Florida a few times, but I'd never been on the strand or on the beach in Florida. And so my daughter's like, I want to go with you this time, Dad, to see the doctor. And so we did, and she says, I want to go to the beach. And I said, well, I want to go to the beach, too, because I hadn't actually stepped my foot in the sand in Florida. I like it a lot better here at Ocean Isle, but I wanted to try it out. And uh, so we did, but long story short, um, as we were on the strand there, uh, walking around the beach, um, there was a homeless man uh, under one of the piers. And um, so my daughter kept looking, and she said, Dad, that that guy looks like he's homeless. And I said... uh, Yeah, I think he is. And boy, it interested her. She said, well, Daddy, we're going to help him? And my Lord, why did she ask me that? She said, are we going to help him? And I said, well, honey, yes, we would love to help him. And she said, okay, what are we going to do? And I'm like, me and my wife, Catherine are saying, well, honey, we really don't know... If this man is really homeless, we don't know if he's a murderer. We don't know, you know, if he's a bank robber. We went through everything. And she said, So, so what are we going to do? And I said, Well, I don't know. I'm thinking. And she's like, Well, Daddy, we got to do something. I said, Honey, we're going to do something. Let's just play right now and we'll, we'll help him out. And so we did that for about 30, 40 minutes. We got ready to leave. Well, I made my little way up to the, you know, to the little boardwalk thing or whatever, getting up the steps. She goes, Daddy, where are you going? And I said, we're going to the car. She said, to the car? I said, yeah, I think we got to go. She said, what are we going to do about this man? And I said, honey, I don't think we're going to be able to help this man. I just, I just don't know. I don't know. I, I know. I've, but you've taught me your whole, my whole life how I should give and be good to others. Daddy, you told me to be good and to help those in need. I felt about that tall. So we got on in the car, and my daughter, we closed the doors, and she went to crying. She didn't know this man from Adam. Cried and just bawled her eyes out, and I'm like, wow. One good thing about it, she had been listening to me. But guess what? I drove off. I drove away. That was the most miserable night I can probably tell you in my life. Because I didn't go back. And I didn't do what I told her to do so I got my honey spanked by the Holy Spirit and the Lord and that's all I could hear was the Holy Spirit telling me why didn't you go help that man and then here I am talking to the Lord well you never know he could have been a bank robber he could have been a murderer but in need or not the need was there but I wasn't there even though I was But God bless my daughter, because she, that day, I'll never forget it. I think that was more important to me than what I'd taught her through the years. Sometimes we need to listen to our children. Amen? But do good. See, since, (laughs) what's funny about that right there, since I told y'all that, every time you see somebody I need, the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you. Y'all can blame me for it. You do what you want to do, but just do good. I told you. Mm. But so he said in verse 9, he says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. And sometimes we can get tired at just doing what is good. Now, what we're talking about today too doesn't mean if sometimes if we don't do these things, if you're saved, it doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Okay, I'm not trying to get that right. I'm just trying to say, listen to the scriptures. Let the Lord tell you what to do. So look, he says in verse 10, he says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Have you all ever had the opportunity to do good to anybody? A lot of you are going to get the opportunity to die, I bet. When you have the opportunity, the opportunity is set before you, do good. We should be like a spontaneous thing. Go ahead and do good. But we want to talk ourselves out of it a lot of times. And now I didn't do good. Or I didn't do what I should have done. I've been through so many situations. And it's when things happen or someone does you wrong, you sure really don't want to do good to them. But we know we need to listen to the scriptures, don't we? Good place for amen. Amen? So therefore, whatever, uh, whenever we have the opportunity to do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Now, I wonder why he said that. Do good to everyone, especially those in the household of faith. Okay? If you're a Christian, somebody needs to build you up at times, don't they? If you're, if you're a Christian, another brother or sister does something good to you, it does something for you. A lot of times, I don't know if we always appreciate it, but it does something for you. And it also, when you do good to another brother or sister in Christ... It's doing something for them and it, it, it edifies one another. You know, like it's good to see when a Christian really does something good, especially even when a Christian does something good for you. It, it's, it does something for you, it's good for you. And he said, So don't get tired in it. I think, like I said, everybody's we're so busy and everything now in life, but um, just don't get weary. And stop doing good. Amen? So, when we do that, what we're doing is we're sowing to please the Spirit. And when we please the Spirit, guess what? We reap joy and everlasting life. Because sometimes, I have seen brothers and sisters in Christ, they found Jesus and they served Jesus for a while, and after a while, they just drifted away. And that some of them, I've had a friend or so that uh, don't even want to have anything else to do with the Lord. But what happens, after a while of pounding and beating and doing and not doing, and things can really weigh you down so that you drift away from God. So I think that's a lot of what he's talking about right here. And uh, I remember one time I was a little boy, I was, uh, one time I was little, okay? But I was about, uh, I was about 10 or 11 years old and, uh. We had moved when I was nine to a, another place, and, and I really liked this place. It was an old house. It was down by a, a little creek. That's what we call it around here, creek, creek, creek. And there was acres and acres of woods. I'm talking as far as you want to go, hundreds of acres of woods that was unpopulated. Just right for a young boy about 10, 11 years old. Amen? And my mom, she trusted us because I had two I got an older brother that's five years old, and I got a twin brother. Yeah, there's two of us. <laughs> and then, God bless you. And then I got four sisters. Pray for me. So with four sisters and two other brothers, we all love being outdoors. And I am still an outdoors man. I hate even going in the house almost so bad. But we were in the woods one day, and we were just, you know how guys do, running around, playing around with the little guns, BB guns, and all this stuff or whatever. Well, we found this pond. A big, beautiful pond, and back then, to me, when you're little, it's just like it was huge. But it was probably about, a, um, I'd say about three-quarters of an acre, maybe. But this pond had a high bank on one side. It had been dug, and somebody evidently had used the dirt out of it for something. And the pond had a high bank, had a big pine tree right on that high bluff, and it was perfect for tying a rope on it so you could swing and jump into the pond. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's some southern people in the house today. Everybody's had to do that. If you had not done it, you're not southern until you do that. But we, we would do that and play in that pond and swim in it. It was like a free pool. And, and we, were, we were poor. We didn't have money for a pool, but we had a pool. But this water, the, the water in this pool was as crystal clear as it could be. It was clear as this water right there, and that, almost that clear. And you could see the bottom. You could see everything. And so we just, it, it was our happy place. But So we also like to fish, so what we ended up doing was I had, we would catch fish in different ponds and, and, and creeks and go put them in that pond. Well, about four or five days to a week later or so, the fish would die. We kept doing that for about a year and put a lot of fish in it, and they all died. So we could not figure out why are the fish dying. So we told my dad about it, and he said, let's go down there and look at this pond. So he went down there, and my dad said, well... He said, the reason there's nothing in this pond is, it's stagnant. Nothing can live in it. We said, what? He said, no life can live in this pond. Even as beautiful it is, that's why the fish aren't living. That's why there's no vegetation, there's no plants. It's a beautiful pond, but nothing's in it. And I was, I'd, I'd thought about this the other morning. I woke up about two or three in the morning, and I was, I was thinking about this message, and the, and the Lord gave me that. But you know what? It kind of made sense to me a little bit. Sometimes in our Christian life, we can be saved and we can have our destination set before God, but nothing's inside. We can be dead. We can be a dead Christian inside. And that's one thing I think he's, Paul's talking about this because we do good to others and pray for others and, and do what God wants you to do. But when we do these things, it, it builds us up and it edifies us and it, and it brings Joy and peace and things. So we're going to get a little bit further on that. But if we're not careful, sometimes we can find that our pond is stagnant. And everything's better when there's life. Everything's better when things are growing. So I want to also turn to Galatians 6. We're going to talk about a little bit now how to battle this. And everybody knows these scriptures. But let's just hope the Holy Spirit just really opens them up to us today. We're going to talk about how to do some battling so that we don't always keep getting beat up with the enemy and all these things so that we can find ourselves maybe not right where we want to be. So in Galatians 6, we're going to look at verse 10. I'm sorry, Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. So in verse 10, he says, a final word. Everybody say final. Final word. If I told you today that this was going to be your final message, a lot of you would probably be on your knees right now. I mean, if you thought you were getting ready to die. So this, he's saying this is the final word. In other words, listen to this. This is final. Listen to me. So he says, final word. Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Whose power is it? God's mighty power. He says, "Put on, uh, uh, put on all of the God's armor, so that you will be able to stand against the strategies, strategies of the devil." Key word there. I like keywords. Put on all the armor. Amen? Amen. So we know back in the uh, Bible times when they got ready to go into a fight or whatever, a sword fight or a fight, they would they would put a big uh, suit of armor on and. They had from the helmet to the breastplate to the pants, the shoes, every spot of their body was covered with metal armor. So Paul's saying right here, he says, you need to put all the armor on. Can I tell you today, when you walk out these doors of the church, you better have all of God's armor on you. And when we get up in the morning, we need to have all the armor on. If you forget your helmet, the enemy is going to penetrate your head. Amen. You know what it? So he says, put on all of God's armor, and then he says, so you can stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Can I tell you the devil's probably smarter than you are this morning? Nobody wants to hear that. I know he's smarter than I am, but I know somebody that's inside of me that's smarter than he is. Hallelujah! It's not. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He. He. He's. Thank God that he is inside fighting my battles. But he said. Look in verse 12, he says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Did anybody hear that this morning? See, this is flesh and blood, amen. Now the spirit says it lives inside, but I got a flesh and blood body. And so that if, if if I'm a Christian and someone gets, I guess, on my nerves, or someone does me wrong, right? Maybe someone says something wrong or somebody just does me wrong or whatever. I have to get to a place where that doesn't bother me. Hello? I'm going to say it like this. You need to get to a place so it doesn't bother you. That's the hardest thing you can do. I am still working on it. Amen. Amen. But here's what you got to understand. Flesh and blood and a spirit. You get ready to see what he's talking about. In other words, people used to say, well, the devil made me say that. Or the devil made me do that. A lot of times, it was. And a lot of times, we just did it our own selves. Look what he says, right? He says, so look. He said, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. So, if we could see what is in the heavenly realms right now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, there's a battle going on. There is a battle between God's angels and Satan's angels that constantly fight all day long. But God's angels are protecting you. The Spirit of God is protecting you. And so, even though we can't see Him, because at one time we know that Satan fell from heaven and a third of his angels, a third of the angels fell to. To hell too. So there's a third of Satan's angels too. And the evil spirits. And all this, man, we've got a lot we've got to fight against. You think about that many. And most of us don't even see them. Now, a lot of people said they've never, they may have seen an angel of the Lord. Uh, I haven't. I'd love to. But I haven't. But I know they're there. But I've never seen an angel of Satan either. But guess what? Oh, I know they're there. And so... I have to know that and be ready to fight them. We all need to know that so we can be ready to fight them because they are going to fight you. And a lot of times when somebody, like you said, somebody did something wrong to you or whatever, and then you start thinking about the wrong that they did, and I'll I'll say it like this. You know how I, I have been done wrong before, and usually a lot of times if it involves money, it can really get you upset Amen? Let me tell you, if you don't let me borrow $100, let me borrow it. And if I don't give it back, somebody's going to tell somebody I can give them the money back. That means they're mad at me. But one time I had this man, he, he, he well, I did some work for him, he owed me a lot of money. And uh, man, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a lot of money. <sighs> it was a lot of money, y'all. <laughs> and it tore, it's the southern there, it tore me up. I couldn't sleep at night. I was up for about a month at night. I couldn't sleep. I rolled and I tossed. I rolled and I huffed and I puffed. I heard my wife say so many times, quit doing that. Because I would go, <sighs> and I, I I wanted to not be a Christian anymore. You know, what, you know what I mean? And I kept praying, I kept praying, Lord, please. Us. Anyways, I was praying for him, and he might have been praying for me, I don't know. But I remember when the Holy Spirit spoke to me one night and I was rolling in bed and I was just rolling. I was so upset. I was just rolling. I was miserable. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what are you doing? And I was like, oh yeah, it's me again. I said, I'm just upset. I said, I just, what am I going to do? And the Lord said, let me tell you something. You need peace. You need joy. Are you going to let an earthly thing rob you of all that? And I said, Lord, it's a lot of money. (laughs) And he said, are you going to let him rob you of your peace and your joy? And I felt, then I felt really bad. And I remembered, he said, let it go. And at that moment, I said, Lord, I'm going to let it go. Amen. I'm going to let it go. I was miserable. But. I don't think it was the man himself that was doing that. I believe it was one of these enemies that made him do it. You know why? To attack me and to see what I would do. See, I was losing that little fight. But when the Lord got a hold of me, he straightened me out real good. And then the Lord spoke to that person, and eventually he paid me every cent. See, you can't, you can't outdo God. You can't outdo God. See, when you do what's right, God's going to do what's Right? And I also sometimes, when it comes to monetary things, we got to have it and we want it, but we don't have to have it to live most of the time. Because God will provide for you when you do what's right and you do what's good. I had the man, I I went to him several times, and he told me, he said, let me tell you, he started just in my face laughing at me, he I'm not going to pay you anything. (laughs) Okay, how good of a Christian are you that you can stand there and take that? Okay, I've said he slept three weeks, you're gonna stand there and tell me that again. But when he did, I just said, you know what, I'm not worried about it, because the Lord will take care of it. And he called me again and come and just come see him, just so he could smear it in my face again. I'm not still not gonna pay you. What are you doing, Lord? So that's what I what to tell him. I had to do what was right. I knew what I wanted to do. I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> but I had to do what was right, and I did. And then when the guy called me back, he said, look, can you just meet me at my house. I said, I knew he's going to do it again. Why am I even going? But I was dumb enough to try it. And that man sat me down and said, look here. I found some paperwork. Here's every cent that I owe you. And I want to give you extra. I said, I don't want any extra. I want to give you every cent that I owe you. I said, okay, you pay me what you owe me, but I don't want any extra. So I got ready to leave. I looked at him, and I was thinking, I was thinking about the Lord at that moment more than was him because I knew God had done that. Hello? I knew God had done that. So I told him, I said, I, said, I looked at him, back at him, I said, and I had been praying for his salvation too. But I looked at him, I said, uh, did you find Jesus or something? <laughs> he looked around, and he said, Yes, I did. There you go. There you go. And a lot of that came because God had to do something to get me all in the fix and the shape that I was in. Because that night when I was praying for him, I wasn't just praying that he would, uh, you know, just come up and head. I was praying for God to save his soul. I was praying for God to open his eyes. I was praying for God to to turn this man around and show him what life is all about. It's about joy. It's about peace. It's about love. It's about God being in your heart. And I remember he said, yes, I did. I found Jesus. And I said, well, glory to God. He said, since I did that, it was over a month. He goes, I haven't hardly slept at all. But I had been praying for the God not to let him sleep. Do not let him sleep. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord, but it worked. But what I was trying to say when that whole story was, you always do what's good, no matter what they do. When we can look past somebody, I'm going to use you, sister. Now, if you did me wrong, but it, it, and I knew like this whole situation, this whole story, I told everybody. You did me like that, and i got to sit here and look at you and act like I love you? How can I do that? I'm going to get a little closer to you. But no, you did me wrong. You're smiling just like that guy did. <laughs> just so beautiful. But you did me wrong. But, but how could I stand right here at you, even knowing it ought to happen, and tell you that I love you? And if I did tell you, would you believe me? No, absolutely not. You wouldn't believe me the brother. <laughs> But you know what? You can get to that point where you could say, I love you, even they did that, and you really mean it, and you do love them. That's where the, God, that's where the Lord's trying to get us. He's trying to get us so that those people, that we, we look through them, that we look through the wrong. Or we see them, but when you see them, you know what you see? A silhouette of Jesus Christ when we can get to that point where we see that and all we see is Jesus and we say that it's not the person that's doing the evil, it's not that person that's doing the bad, but it's, it's a child, a bald person of God or it's a, it's, it's a child of God and I love them because they are one of God's creation people, then, and you see, Jesus is where we need to be. And I'm going to say I'm right there working on it. But you've got to see Jesus through it. I don't know what time it is. I, I ain't wearing a watch. I was going to put a watch on this morning. I got five watches and everybody's dead. So that means, I guess, the Lord's trying to say, there's no time limit today. <laughs> no, no time limit. Look, so, okay, here we go. So we're not fighting against them, he said. Is that the time to go? All right. Y'all, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Remember what I said. Christ, (laughs) that had to be Pastor Lucas. I can't can't see anybody because of these bright lights. Alan, who is it? Okay. You really can't see nobody back there, y'all. I feel like a deer in the headlights, you know. All right, here we go. So look, we're going to go on a few more scriptures before I got to go. All right, so he said, against the mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. So they're everywhere, y'all. They're everywhere, y'all. So I want you to be equipped. I want you to be ready for them. Watch this. I like this part. 13. Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy. When I was growing up, I used to love Superman, man, Wonder Woman, all them. Because they were able to fight. And not get beat up. But he says, Look, at says, Time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be, able, you will be, excuse me, standing firm. Now look, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Body armor of God's righteousness. Now look in 15. He said, For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared for shoes put on the piece that comes from the good news what's the good news Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is your good news today that's your good news so that you will be fully prepared if you don't have Jesus and the good news of Jesus how are you going to be prepared Amen. you got to be equipped you've got to be ready so that you do what's right first. Sometimes I found out if you do what's right first, you don't have to worry about all the trouble you got to go through to make it right. Last. I don't know if that made any sense, it did to me. So he said, put on your shoes. Your shoes is, is the good news of Jesus Christ. And see, when you had this suit of armor on that we talked about earlier, if, if, if you had the whole full suit on, the helmet, you know, the whole suit and left off your shoes, guess what the enemy's going to do? Ah! He's going to stomp on your toes. And if you're like me, a good stomp on your toes is going to take you down. Just that. He can put the sword up. Just stomp on your toe. So he's saying, even with your shoes, have your shoes on so that you can be ready in every situation, in every fiery dart. Look in 16. He said, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith. Everybody say faith. Faith. Hold up the shield of what? There you go. To stop the fiery arrows of the devil. I'm going to tell you, the fiery arrows are coming at you day and night. You just don't see most of them. We see some of them. But I truly believe that the angels and the Lord and the Holy Spirit is keeping a lot of those It's already shielded away from you. You don't see them, but man, they're going to think, 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 think. Or if we're doing what what God's been telling us to do, and if we're equipped and we're ready, guess what? Some of those arrows that's been stabbing you all along your whole life, now that you're equipped and you build up in the most faith and holiness in the Lord, those same arrows that used to penetrate that would take you down, now just bounce off of you like if it's one of those arrows that's got a little sponge on the end. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We want to get it so that those arrows, they don't penetrate us. Come on. We want to get it so that when it hits you, it bounces off. And then we can say, hey, this is a lot better than the defeat. Because like I said, once you've been defeated, it's hard getting back up. He wants you to be equipped, use the, the uh, shield and block off those, the enemies every time. My mom, man, she used to be something else. Oh, my God. Boy, she told the devil how it was. My mom, my mom would be sitting there. My, mama was, my mom was a lot taller than I was, y'all. And she sure was a lot prettier than I am. <laughs> but my mama loved the Lord now. Man, she loved the Lord. And I remember something would come up my mom. She'd say, uh, don't, don't, I'm, don't scare anybody. I'm not going to scare anybody. Y'all be ready for it, okay? So my mom, somebody did something come up my mom. My mom would go, Away from me in the name of Jesus. Even I got away. And many times she say, "Shut up, devil! You're a liar." Boy, man, she didn't. Uh, she she didn't like the devil. See, so my mama scared him to death. My mama scared us to death. But my mama walked victorious. Sometimes she smiled when the devil started coming around. You know what I'm saying? It's like Sometimes my mom was like, she was happy that the devil was going to show up. Because when she got through with him, he was gone. She got to a point where she liked the challenge. I remember a lot of times she'd say, Tim, something happened. She'd look at me, she'd say, Tim, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. So she'd ask me again, what are you going to do? I still don't know. what are you going to do? There you go. I don't know, but I better figure it out. But what she said, you need to speak to the enemy and you need to fight him back. Every time that the enemy targets you, you fight him back until you run him off or you destroy him. One. That's what Paul was saying when you got to run, he didn't say walk into battle, did he? See, if you're going to walk, somebody else is going to run past you. But we got to be ready to run. Run to get the prize. And the prize is the everlasting life. It's going to be worth the run. I don't know how much more time i got, Pastor. Do you know? He's went on with the Lord. I'm going to keep going. I ain't through yet. You're right, brother. Here we go. Y'all get ready. Remember, about, just think about my mom, too. Just scream at the devil, man. You say, man, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. You better get away from me. Ooh. Whew. I feel that. Thank you, mama. My mama taught me a lot. But I should have listened to her even more. But, man, she loved fighting the devil. <laughs> She's in glory right now. Amen. Dancing on the streets of gold. Waiting on me to get up there. And if I talk anymore, I'm probably going to start crying a big baby. But I love my mama. My dad's up there with her. And... Um, I can't wait to... Uh, I can't wait. But, but everybody always says, I can't wait to get to heaven. Well, I'm going to change that. I want to see a real bad and my dad, but I, do, I don't want to go right now. You know what I'm saying? But if it's the Lord's will, I'm ready. I'm, I want to be with him. I want, to take, I want to stay with his plan. Look in Philippians um, 3. Oh, thank you, Lord. Philippians 3. And look at verse twelve. So he said, "Look, he says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved all these things, or that I have already uh, reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed." Me. Oh, I'm God. I'm glad that God possessed me first. I'm glad that I remember when His Spirit came into my life and he overwhelmed and he possessed me he possessed me and he came in and it was everything that I needed verse 13 says no dear brothers and sisters I have not achieved it we haven't if we we hadn't stepped over into glory right yet we hadn't achieved it yet what we're talking about right now so that when you do step into glory is when we're going to achieve it he said but I have to focus on one thing look what he said I have focused on forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us home. So he says, forget the past. We need to be strong in Christ's grace, don't we Follow God's rules and His guides, His directions, and the Holy Spirit. What Paul's saying is He wants you to win.